Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunk Down Prime. If you want more coverage of the NBA as the postseason hits, play-in tournament, playoffs, this is going to be the best place to get the in-depth coverage you're looking for. You can subscribe at dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. Well, in the end, Dan, although it took us some crazy, crazy stuff to get there, including a very, very interesting game, the one competitive basketball game between two teams actually trying to win in the last four days of the NBA season, turned out to be very, very interesting indeed. But we have a Western Conference bracket now. Let's begin by just talking about how we got here in the what could now end up being a preview of the 8-9 game, Minnesota and New Orleans. This was for the tiebreaker. New Orleans, had they won scenarios where they could have gotten up to all the way to five, had the Clippers lost. But in the end, because the Clippers did lose, and we'll talk much more about that, don't worry. Uh, this was basically to decide who is going to be eight, who is going to be nine. Obviously, you want to be eight because you get uh, those two chances to play yourself in. Let's talk about the game itself uh, that we did on playback. Uh, and we'll, of course, be doing that. Check my Twitter account uh, for... Check the Google Doc schedule going forward. Uh, Danny and Dan will both be joining me on that. But, I mean, what's your, your biggest takeaway? There's so much to discuss from that game. Well, you uh, you put me in a corner by saying you wanted to start with the game itself because I am the biggest takeaway here are the punches. <laughs> but if we're going to talk about the well, game Well, I mean, they itself, happened during the game. Okay. Well, then the biggest takeaway <laughs> is Rudy Gobert punching his teammate Kyle Anderson during a stoppage. Uh, and the second biggest takeaway is... Uh, um mcdaniel's punching a wall and breaking his hand i mean actually i think mcdaniel's breaking his hand is actually a bigger deal i disagree okay uh, well let's, let's, part of that is because of what i think the outcome is going to be with gobert so let's just just give people a little background if you've been under a rock for the last three hours of just what exactly happened with so, rudy gobert and kyle anderson so there was a timeout and uh you know credit to uh the timberwolves telecast giving us great video of this of uh Gobert and uh, Kyle Anderson are arguing. Uh, according to Woj and uh, any decent lip reading, uh, Kyle Anderson told Gobert, shut the fuck up, bitch. Uh, they were arguing about uh, Gobert not blocking enough shots and Kyle Anderson not grabbing enough rebounds. And Gobert punched Anderson in the shoulder. Uh, 
Gobert got sent into the locker room. Uh, it escalated at halftime, uh, them yelling at each other. According to Shams, Anderson yelled at Gobert, I'll knock your ass out at halftime. Um, the Timberwolves sideline reporter heard them yelling. This was not something that they hid well. Or No, it, it was uh, the, the Pell side. Oh, Pell. I'm sorry. Thank Gen, you. Thank Gen you. Hale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, the Timberwolves send Gobert home and then rally to victory. Yeah, they were down 48-36 at the time that the altercation took place. Gobert does have one of the longest wingspans in NBA history. Maybe <laughs> not exactly how uh, it was envisioned that it would be used. Kyle Anderson also has a pretty long wingspan himself, but uh, <laughs> couldn't quite match it. Gobert immediately got shoved away by Torian Prince, who was uh, acting quickly there. And Gobert had said he didn't connect. Yeah, he didn't like get him rush, right on the jaw and knock him out, but he did he certainly make contact with him. Yeah. And, and it would appear that he, you know, uh, uh, he threw a punch. Like, there's, that's all there is to it now gobert after the game was extremely apologetic uh, he tweeted emotions got the best of me today i should not have reacted the way i did regardless of what was said although i do love including regardless of what was said at least <laughs> and you say even simply by saying i shouldn't have reacted regardless of what was said you're still bringing up what was said you're still presenting a mitigating <laughs> circumstance while you're in theory apologizing at the same time uh but whatever uh i want to apologize to the fans the organization and particularly to kyle who's someone that i truly love and respect as a teammate additional reporting uh, or additional quotes about it anderson said tampers flair you're in the middle of a game a game we all want to win a huge one it is what it is you know shit happens it's not the first time something like this has happened and mike conley said we'll speak about it and move on we're grown men uh gobert texted apologies to the team group thread and the most important thing though uh, oh and a little more circumstance gobert was playing through back spasms he was questionable uh he was sore he believed he was fighting through the discomfort he was not playing well at the time by the way uh and he referred to the limitations on his back when arguing with anderson per zach low so i mean i guess this is the end of the story right because it's all gonna be handled internally <laughs> yep nobody will notice whether uh, gobert plays in the play-in game they'll just keep that <laughs> between themselves <laughs> Um, well, you know what, though? I mean, handled internally means he's going to get the max, the maximum fine he can get if he doesn't get suspended is $50,000, right? That was when Draymond didn't get suspended. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, we're going to handle that internally. Like, was he fine? We're not going to mention it. It's like, oh, yeah, of course you're not going to mention it because the most you can find him is 50 grand or the collective bargaining agreement. I said when it first happened that it seemed like he's going to get suspended. I don't think he is now. Yeah, because they're, they're saying like, there's a little bit of noise of like, okay, we'll, we'll handle this and move on. We'll handle this and move on. Well, I, let me ask you this, Dan. Let's say you just shoved him. Yep. You didn't throw a punch. No thought that he's going to be suspended probably, right? Correct. A punch so, is different than a shove. It is if you are the NBA league office and Kiki Vandeway, who's noble line, but get Joe Dumars and uh, you have all these precedents that you have to follow and you just, you can't have fighting on the floor. And it, you know, to be fair, you, everyone knows the expectations. If you throw a punch with a closed fist, that's at least a game, but doing it at a teammate, that's not really going to be part of the league's jurisdiction. Most likely they didn't uh, get involved on Draymond Green, for example, either. And, and so with the team, because they're, he didn't really connect just the this like closed fist versus always open fists. Like we don't have to fall yeah. for that spin. He connected. It could have been worse, but he connected. 
Well, I mean, okay, he, he connected with that. If he connected with the show, I mean, the point, like, you know, it, there's a reason why, like, if I shoot at you, but I miss, the charges are lower than if I actually connect, even if my intention was exactly the same. Uh, so, I mean, I think, obviously, obviously, you're looking for an excuse to not suspend Gobert because Nasri's already out, Jaden McDaniels is out for the season, and oh, by the way, you're playing Anthony Davis and LeBron James, both of whom, uh, you know, it's pretty important to have some kind of rim protection even even if Gobert is not going to close the game just to have some other big like it Nathan Knight was out there he committed 97 fouls in three minutes and had to be taken out immediately so like I mean if I if I were Tim Connolly I would fucking play him why not as long as as long as it's not going to like cause a bunch of problems within the team I think I think if you add Dan let me ask you this I bet you if you ask Kyle Anderson in his most honest moment he would say yeah i hope rudy gobert is not suspended i agree with that yeah. do you think it was a coincidence that the timberwolves without rudy gobert rallied to a win today um gobert isn't really well number one he wasn't playing well yeah uh you know that was the, i think the back spasms were bothering me he, he's I'm, been he's had a poor year by his standards all year maybe he, this is these are his new standards now i mean but you uh, you also saw the nathan knight minutes like yeah yeah in that sense i think he would have been better yeah like i think he will help and also like you know they're gonna play a pick and roll team anthony davis like against carl towns you know i think maybe you'd say hey they can't score against the lakers either with gobert on the floor but i think they need him defensively and then also he gives you a theory of the second unit playing pick and roll with conley so i i i think they definitely could use him i mean there there is a question with rudy already dealing with the back issue and just hasn't been as good this year you know, obviously if it's 2021 rudy gobert there's no question um i i do and not also think- i mean this is a guy like let, let me ask like i think this too like it's i think it's better for the i said the same thing about the draymond incident too when they didn't suspend him i think it's better for the team going forward what oh you, you can't have guys punching each other or whatever like that there have to be consequences like no it is better for the minnesota timberwolves i think in just about every way going forward to not someone because also if you suspend him then it's even more of a story it makes it harder to move past it because then oh he doesn't play they lose the first playing game or they win the first playing game and he doesn't play that's a big story now and and everyone's getting asked about it again going into the next playing game and it just just make it make it be over i agree with that and the timberwolves i I understand you might need a second to catch your breath and make a decision. Uh, they've already made a mistake by not announcing what they're going to do. Uh, they would have been better off if they could have figured it out and made the correct decision, uh, whichever that is, of announce today, hey, uh, he's suspended for the next game, or no, he's not, and then you get all of that out of the way, and you don't turn a one-day story into a two-day story. To answer my own question, I do not think it was a coincidence the Timberwolves rallied to victory. I don't no. think Rudy Gobert is the... And this is... So you're looking just on the court next as always as part of it. But I don't think Rudy Gobert is the uh, most liked guy in the NBA, and I wouldn't be surprised if that extends probably somewhat into uh, his own team. You saw after he threw this punch how quickly the Timberwolves got him out of there and pushed him away and sent him to the locker room. That's why it's different than a shove, right? Everybody knew right away, we had to get Rudy Gobert out of there. And then they sent him home. Guys, I think there's a mental aspect where guys stepped up. There was some adrenaline. I don't know how much that translates a couple days later, right? When you're not in the heat of the moment. But I think getting Rudy Gobert out of there, in part because he wasn't playing so well to overcome this emotional lift that sending him away created. But I think there truly is something 
something to the idea that you get him out of there and everybody just feels like I need to step up to do more. We, we don't have Rudy Gobert. Like, this is a crazy thing. Like, I, I just think they, they rode that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you might be right. But so ultimately, the reason I think it's a bigger deal with that Jay McDaniel is out is because there's still a pretty good bet to make it into a series. Rudy Gobert will surely be back for that. And you at least presented a decent argument that maybe there are some circumstances and some matchups where they're maybe better off without Gobert, though maybe in the starting lineup, obviously having no backup for Carl Anthony Towns is not great. Uh, but you know, not having Jaden McDaniels, who joins a long list of luminaries who have injured their own hands, <laughs> punching something in frustration, including LeBron James in the NBA Finals after Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Amari Stoudemire, that series was over anyway. They weren't going to win. Uh, Ennis Cantor hitting a a chair in frustration and, and breaking it. It might have been his wrist, actually, rather than his hand. But there, there are many of these. Then Not to Marcus mention the Smart. ones that broke in their hand punching a person. Oh, isn't Marcus Smart? Uh, he punched that picture frame. Uh, are we yeah, allowed to talk about wh- whatever the strange thing going on with Jalen Brown is? Uh, he was just watering his plants that in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, I mean, the NBA, the, you get home late. Um <laughs> <laughs> This is true. Yeah. Do you want me um, okay. to make the Here's why the Rudy Gobert one is bigger, I think. Okay. Rudy Gobert is a potential Hall of Famer. He's won multiple defensive players of the year. He's been on all NBA teams. He's been multi-time all-star. He is going to be a borderline Hall of Famer when it's said and done. And this incident might define his career. This might be the thing that everybody remembers even more than COVID. Like, because people don't like him. And he's had some, his teams at least, have had some failures in the playoffs. This was the Timberwolves' biggest game of the season. And he completely lost his cool and punched a team. And it makes you look back and go, huh, those times he didn't, his team didn't come through in the playoffs. Is that because like he can't handle the pressure? Is that because, you know, did the team crumble? Did the, the Jazz fall apart because Rudy Gobert was that toxic to chemistry? Do I need to relook at this Gobert-Donovan Mitchell relationship? Like this one incident, especially because of the Timberwolves rallying to win. And you're right. It depends what they do in this next game with or without him. This will affect it too. But I see this is a potentially legacy shaping thing where that's not the case with McDaniels. But on the court, in terms of of odds of beating the Lakers, I could get with you. But I, I think there's something bigger here with Gobert, too. Let's talk about the actual game itself, though. And yeah. the Pels led most of the way. Brandon Ingram up to 27 points at halftime. I thought, and McDaniels got two fouls early, played nine minutes, goes out after the, getting the second foul. He was getting lit up pretty badly by Ingram. Then the, the frustration as he punched the wall clearly had broken his hand. So Kyle Anderson couldn't do anything with them. They had to go with Torian Prince a little bit too. That, that wasn't really working. So Ingram's got 27 points at halftime. Zero assists though, Dan. Yeah, the uh, the Pelicans, uh, they were just able to go through Ingram. The Tumbles did not do a good job of making him give it up, uh, at least at that point. Uh, Brandon Ingram finished with seven assists, though, uh, to Minnesota's credit. And I, I honestly thought McDaniels did a pretty good job. Not a, not quite a good enough job, but a good a pretty good job where I would have been more confident in McDaniels guarding him if he were healthy enough to keep playing than anybody right. else on Minnesota's roster, even though the early results weren't what you'd want. No, of course, uh, of course. But, and actually Anthony Edwards, I thought had some really good moments against Ingram in the second half. And so it, I definitely think they just didn't send enough health on Ingram. Pels are two for 11 from three at halftime. And I thought this was actually kind of critical too. Start of the second half, CJ McCollum starts going well and they kind of get away from Ingram at that point. Uh, then they started going into the post to Valanchunas against smaller players. He got one bucket, but it had some turnovers and they weren't scoring. And Wolves 
get back into it really well, start hitting some threes, which of course New Orleans is never, ever, ever going to do. They finished three of 21 from Mm -hmm. downtown. Both of those numbers appalling, particularly against a Wolves defense that didn't have Rudy Gobert for the second half of this one. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace using our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us we'll get to more on the wolves but i i really i thought there's a lot of Paul's Twitter was kind of melting down a little bit on on Willie Green, which he's a a coach that might lead you to do that at times. But I thought there were some things that were reasonable concerns uh, about Green, and I didn't even see this pointed out, frankly. And then others that were not. The big concern on Pell's Twitter was, well, he didn't play Valanciunas at all in the second half. They should have gone through him. Towns had five fouls for, or sorry, didn't play him all in the fourth quarter. Towns had, they couldn't score. I think they went like five minutes without a field goal, basically like the 
last five minutes of the game before they started the uh the old quick two parade did they even ever shoot a three <laughs> at any point in the last minute okay so but the problem was i, I mean maybe they could have put valentunas on kyle anderson willie green said no we couldn't get back to him because they went small carl towns will do that right like valentunas can't really guard towns and primers who would have had to go herb jones who also actually was struggling frankly with uh, carl towns that carl towns was great so i mean i understand not playing him nance apparently suffered an injury ended up playing only 17 minutes his plus minus was rough so i understand not playing valentunas against carl towns like uh, your defense is just too bad they felt like oh they like and the problem for the Pels is, well, what kills Carl Towns? Spread, pick, and roll, making him defend in space. Towns actually played very well, I thought, by his standards mm-hmm. defensively. I mean, his effort level was really good. He, he made some really big plays defensively. But the Pels just don't play that kind of spread, pick, and roll game where, with enough shooting and with the, enough drivers who are really dynamic getting all the way to the basket that you can put Towns into difficulty. And I thought Finch did a good job of staying in a drop coverage with Towns, not going to that more aggressive style that they used last year and Towns was really good in that uh, drop coverage by his standards. I thought it was very telling though, that just Brandon Ingram could not get a look. And I thought they did very poorly getting him a look in the second half. Yeah. I mean, he was, he looked tired too. I think that was part of it. Um, he sure. had to carry such a load early and um, he did a better, you know, like I said, he, he finished with 42 points and seven assists. And I thought he, he handled it well as he got more defensive attention later uh, moving the ball. And uh, that, you know, that worked to the Timberwolves favor, right? You'd rather have ingram moving the ball there than i mean he was red hot so it was uh yeah you know i can't but i don't really recall many of his dimes being ones where it's like he got double teamed or something like that i I think it was more kind of just in the flow of the offense fast breaks um ingram left it all out there like he had had a really nice defensive first half like he was Mm -hmm. i agree with you he was exhausted and maybe i'm just not remembering i have to go back and watch his assist i I mean i was i'll put it this way it shocked me that he had seven assists in the second half like it wasn't like memorable like i think it was just like okay one more throw it to this guy but uh or like fast breaks i mean they only hit three threes and i don't remember him just like you know setting up a bunch of alley-oop dunks or something like that so i think they they had like like a couple back doors yeah yeah that's what yes um but even four for a half is pretty good right um um but anyway what i was referring to though is well i mean this is not like rocket surgery right like this is basically what every team that has a big wing has been doing ever since lebron james started running pick and roll at kyle corfer in the 2011 conference finals and tom thibodeau couldn't play kyle corfer and then the bulls just couldn't score anymore this is not a new thing mm-hmm. every team has been doing this and i'm like oh well clearly what they're gonna do is they're gonna they've got mclaughlin and conley in the game they're just gonna go at one of those guys with ingram in pick and roll and then they're gonna play out of that they'll they'll just gonna have to double team or they'll get ingram going downhill first time they do it wolf switch mike conley can't stay in front of ingram spin move easy layup carl towns can't get there in time not they have no rim protection i'm like oh man that's steady diet of this like they got to get mclaughlin out of the game like mike mm-hmm. conley you got to take him out for defense if they're in an offense defense like this is how are they going to deal with this and they never ran it again yeah ever yeah i couldn't believe it and it's, t- they went five minutes without scoring they never went back to it yeah it was that time it was like they were avoiding it almost like there were times that seemed like okay well this it would be perfectly natural to do it and still nothing yeah. yes i and, yeah. and also it's like it's not like oh well the reason we were running pick and roll balanchunas our big center that's our pick and roll guy they were playing five out with herb jones at center like this is that, that's what you do in that situation yeah i i wondered to what degree they were they were just uncomfortable being that small they're not used to going that small i don't know it was weird 
Yeah, it was, it was very odd. I mean, I know Willie Green comes from, like, you know, he cut his teeth with the Warriors and then the Suns. They don't do as much of that. Oh, by the way, the Warriors do do that at the very end of the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was really, really surprising to me that they didn't go that direction. And then I thought the other thing for the Pels, uh, CJ McCollum, just a massive struggle for him, particularly late. You put in your note CJ GOAT status, and I was like, did we watch the same game? CJ McCollum was not the GOAT in this game, but it's uh, all lowercase. <laughs> He has 23 points on 9 of 24 shooting, 0 of 5 on threes, 5 of 8 on free throws, 5 fouls. Yeah, not a not a good. Minus 15 with him on the court. Yeah, you want to look for somebody who could have uh, attacked in that pick and roll. Like you thought, okay, well, maybe C.J. McCollum can do that. Nope. Well, and particularly, I mean, he really struggled in the first half when I thought they actually had a chance to kind of put him away. And then he was part of a couple of key sequences that basically ended the game for the Pels. And the biggest one, Mike Conley, uh, first he fouls Mike Conley on a drive, just like tra- gets beaten. Mike Conley is not exactly getting the line a lot these days. I thought Conley was wonderful in this game, though. Uh, but, you know, he's CJ's just running alongside him and he tries to like reach in and, and block it and ends up getting called for a foul. Conley hits two free throws to put him up two. Then they come back, swing the ball. McCollum drives in off the three point line. He's 0 5 from three. Not known as a power dunker. He struggled to finish throughout most of his career, but he's going to go in and dunk it with two hands. But dunking it with two hands for someone like him, like that's not really a good finish. Like I know he had the space in front of him. Like he wanted to put it away. Like I, I, I respect the mentality, but going to just like a left handed layup off the glass and using his body to protect, I think would have been better there because Anthony Edwards came over for, I mean, I guess CJ, I, he can't be blamed for thinking he had the open dunk because it was a heroic block by him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you think Rudy Gobert is out of the, the game. There's there's not the rim protection uh, there. I, I believe even uh, Carl Anthony Towns was out of the game at that point, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I get thinking the rim is open. I mean, Anthony Edwards looked on that play like Rudy Gobert. It was not an aberration. This is not a case where we're saying, oh, you know, of course Anthony Edwards can make a play here or there. He was phenomenal defensively throughout the game. Uh, Finch was 26 points, 13 rounds, four steals, and four blocks. Yeah. Just I mean, a, it was a struggle for him awesome. offensively, certainly. Eight turnovers, seven to 13 from the line. But I really, I was very impressed by his will in this game. And then, so mm-hmm. you saw it. CJ goes flying. Edwards comes down, gets in the lane. He's kicking it out to the corner for three. And CJ, incredible hustle by him. I will give mm-hmm. him credit for this. To get your dunk block, to get back, sprint all the way to the corner, fulfill your assignment, and intercept the pass. And you're like, oh, that's an incredible play. And then Mike Conley, as soon as he gets that steal, takes it right back, gives it to Edwards. CJ tries to go vertical on the contest, fouls him. There's clear foul. He's jumping sideways into him. And one, Edwards actually hits the free throw. They're up five with 57 seconds left. And then their last gasp, they call a timeout, 57 seconds left. That's, you could still, I would try to go for the three here, surely, but because it's easier to get a three when they don't know if you're going for a two or three. If you get the two first, then you have to get a three. You know, they can foul, they can just defend the three point line. But CJ drives, gets a foul on Edwards, misses both free throws that could have cut it to three. And that was basically the game at that point. Although the Pels did go for two quick twos. And, but still never had the ball. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There, no, they, they did, did have the ball. Because after. Anthony Edwards yeah, yeah, stepped out of bounds. Yeah, so it, yeah. Uh, Herb Jones went in for the quick two dunk with 17 seconds left to uh, make it 111-108, three-point game. Yeah. That's and after then, CJ missed the initial quick two. And then, mm-hmm. oh, wait, no, 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 sorry. No, no, I got no, that he, wrong. I think yeah. he, he missed uh 
No, no, that was yeah, I, I, that was after the uh, after they got the ball back with no timeouts. But yeah, and so uh, Andy Edwards stepped out of bounds on the next inbounding, caught it by the sideline, and then CJ McCollum. They went for another quick two, and that's the one McCollum missed. Yeah, with no timeouts left, and yeah, I mean that's just the perfect fallacy of the quick two of like you know to uh, we're gonna get a contested layup for a guy who shoots like probably under fifty percent on contested layups. Yeah, that's right. probably not too good, but they somehow get the ball back no timeouts remaining with 10 seconds left inbound the ball all the way to half court great job by Nikhil alexander walker denying herb jones they get it into trey murphy and trey murphy i i thought just made a terrible decision yeah so they did get up that's why we couldn't remember if they got up a three-pointer because it wasn't really an attempt he he thought he was being fouled and kind of launched it up uh they did not call the foul if they were going to call the foul probably would have been on the ground i think you and i both thought it should have been a foul on the ground yeah i don't know if it would have actually been on the ground but it, it was a tough for murphy like he feels the hand the forearm of edwards on him but murphy not really a guy who's got the shake particularly against their best perimeter defender is on the floor right there edwards to get an open three like there was still time he got it with about seven seconds ingram was coming from the weak side to try to get the ball at that point you probably need to give the ball to your best player because uh, trey murphy again he's not gonna like put a guy in the mix but he tries to drive feels the forearm of edwards on him uh unfortunately for murphy the his body is in between edwards and the official so the official couldn't see it and by the letter of the law he felt the contact then he decided to throw it up that should have just been two shots uh although you know having a chance to try to get an offensive rebound and put it back is not the end of the world at that point if you make the first one but uh no foul was called he just chucked it up and that was it basically um so anything else from like the meat of this game that stuck out to you uh you you kind of nodded to it but i just want to i give a little more credit to anthony edwards yeah offensively kind of uneven um but carl anthony towns uh was in foul trouble uh missed a little bit of time he still played 36 minutes uh no mcdaniels no gobert you just kind of are at a point where uh i thought edwards took on such a big load that i thought off even off defensively he was awesome but even offensively like very very positive in aggregate because of the load he had to take on sure he had eight turnovers that's not great he missed uh he only made seven of 13 free throws not great but because he took so much on his back i'm willing to excuse a good amount of that he was positive offensively also well in town's we probably didn't talk about enough about his game. He had the key stretch outside of the very end of the game where they t- he got his fourth foul. They took him out. Then they go small with Kyle Anderson. The center of that works for a while. Then they put in Nathan Knight, and Nathan Knight commits a bunch of fouls when they're in the bonus. They put Towns back in, and then they take out Ingram right at the start of the second. Towns is in. Oh, I'm sorry, right at the start of the fourth. Minnesota had already outscored him by a bunch when Ingram was out right at the start of the second, and Ingram ended up playing 42 minutes minutes in this game and that was because carl anthony towns hit three straight three-pointers all in a row to take them from like i think they were still like down five or six at that point and he made three in a row uh the last of which was like a ridiculous trail three from like way out you knew he was taking it they threw it to him like as he's crossing the logo <laughs> and he just took one dribble and pulled it it was awesome i mean that's just like he's called himself the best shooting big man of all time he's wrong about that he is the best shooting center of all time though yep um he might end up with a discussion on best shooting big man of all time but at center it's although nicole Jokic is a pretty good shooter 
shooter too but I, I i'll take i'll take uh i mean Jokic isn't the same level like three-point shooter but i and i'll obviously i don't think there's anything towns can do in his career realistically to surpass dirk as a shooter as a big but no probably not it would help if he uh made some shots in the playoffs wins this play and against the lakers and has an opportunity to do that that's the start okay let's go through the rest of what took place here and we can talk about some of these individual games i didn't really watch a ton of the other ones i had clippers and Suns on my second tv but i was calling this game i didn't in games where only one team is trying i'm not going to go back and, and re-watch it it was surprising though that the clippers tried throughout and barely beat the Suns. the lakers tried throughout and barely beat utah to get to seven but the clippers did win they are the number five seed uh they tied with the warriors but they win the tie break warriors 55 points in the first half was a, or in the first quarter was an nba record for a first quarter against the tank blazers and uh, they put up uh they ended up winning 157 101 i'm glad i didn't stick around in portland for that game and decided to come home <laughs> yesterday uh so uh warriors are gonna be six lakers are seven and then the wool the lakers beat the wolves that, that was a huge game the clippers beating the lakers on wednesday was a huge game Lakers had the lakers won that and everything else been the same the lakers would have been five clips would have been the play in uh wolves eight obviously winning this game number nine is new orleans number 10 is okc as a result of all this but we'd been talking about this for like a week the incentives <laughs> in this last game between phoenix and clippers my first observation was i mean i know they phoenix didn't play any of their guys and they also like didn't play any of their guys on friday against the lakers but i mean i guess you can't tell the guys to go out and suck but like monty williams you couldn't have done more to just make it so there's no way the clippers could have could have lost this game because they could by winning they could have ensured playing the clippers like to me their incentives were far more straightforward than the clippers which we'll talk about in a second but to me whatever the suns could have done to lose this game like they should have come out and figured out a way to lose by 50 so that the clippers wouldn't have had a chance for any shenanigans uh potentially uh it all depends what you think of paul george's health um given what it sounds like i agree but that's kind of the yeah i mean i i still part. think i would well well because it basically it, they would have assured themselves of playing the warriors otherwise i mean i i don't care i think what paul george's status is i want would rather play the clip i mean what george, paul george's realistic status is coming off this injury like he he might play but he'd probably not be 100 uh, i mean i don't think there's any circumstance in which i would rather play the clippers than the warriors what about the lakers especially now with wiggins being back uh well i don't think they, there wouldn't have really been any way that they could have played the lakers today uh yes yes so it's basically deciding between Clippers or Warriors because I mean, I'm sorry I'm not, I think, I think we can Pel assume the, Pel that, the Pelicans would be the uh well okay that's fine <laughs> <laughs> that's you're saying if they beat yeah but that that would have taken that would have taken a lot uh the Warriors would have had to lose for that still to be the Pelicans yeah you're just going into the day saying whatever our strategies we're just going to assume the Warriors are going to beat the Trailblazers I think this probably would have been a safe assumption unless they're trying to uh, play some game themselves. Yeah, which uh, there weren't really many scenarios which Golden no. State could do that. Uh, so it really surprised me. I mean, oh, uh, Monty Williams is kind of one of these guys doesn't really seem built that way or whatever. And I mean, Phoenix had a bunch of guys out there who were going to play hard. Your Saban Lees and the like. Not having Biombo to run post ups through <laughs> with him being injured, I think was was a problem. So Clippers 
are down by as many as six. I think they're even down 10 at one point early in the third. They're down by six, even late third. They do come back. Kawhi hits a, a big shot to push it to five in the last minute. Uh, interestingly, they ran pick and roll at the smallest guy over and over again at the end of the game. I wonder where uh, the, it's amazing. <laughs> where, where, I don't know where they come up with these incredible ideas. And the Clippers, obviously, you know, they had a, a rough shooting day, five and 23. Ty Lue blamed their terrible games and matinees. Remember, they were coming off a back to back where they really struggled with Portland at home yesterday. And Kawhi did play on the back-to-back for the second time. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house, get that 100 night trial. They're 10 to 15 year warranty, depending on the model. And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. So Clippers win, but should they have? That that is the question. The conventional wisdom was well, New Orleans could win. And if New Orleans wins and we lose, they're gonna be ahead of us and we're gonna get pushed down to the play in. Uh they the Clippers still would have had the tiebreaker over the Lakers. They would have been ahead of the Lakers, but they would the lowest they could be was seven. But the conventional wisdom was hey, you gotta make sure you're not gonna be in the play in. You can't deal with that. They lost in the play in last year. I personally don't see it that way. How do you see it? I think you got to win. I I think you want to get into the playoffs. I understand that the Suns look pretty darn good with Kevin Durant. That is going to be tough. Um, 
But I I would have leaned toward, you know, first of all, good for the NBA putting all these games at the same time. Great, so the Cli- great job. Yeah. yeah, that would have been trouble if uh, the Clippers knew the scenarios and then could make the, the choice. Um, I want to get into the playoffs. I want to go as far as I can. Uh, you you know, you're going to have to go in the plane without Paul George, maybe, right? Like, whatever the odds are of Paul George playing, it's higher that he's going to play in the first round than in the play-in. Like, that's how time works. So I, I would have rather had that time off, let Kawhi Leonard rest up. If, if you know, if Paul George comes back, like, I, and I'm, I'm betting against that, but even with just Kawhi Leonard, you know, you, you never know. I, I want to get into the playoffs. Yeah, and obviously by winning, they could ensure that they would be the five seed. Um, You know, also, frankly, I think when you just look at, like, the psychology of being the five seed for, say, your management as they're being evaluated versus being the seven seed and potentially losing the play. Like, you're actually, for management, being evaluated by Steve Ballmer, you're probably actually limiting your downside there. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that is a risk, obviously. Like, there's a risk that you would not make the playoffs at all but i think even i would say their chances of not making the playoffs at all or maybe like 10 to 15 percent right because there's a 50 percent chance that new orleans would just win or, or would mm. lose as in fact happened right because they had phoenix uh won this game with minnesota beating new orleans which i think it was probably like a 50 percent chance then you're just the six seed you're exactly where you want to be right at that point that's the optimal outcome you're in the playoffs and you get to play the kings and they, they even i think with no paul george i would give them a 50 percent chance of winning that series that's that's pretty good i would have favored the kings a little um, bit but yes that's a, that that's i mean it worked out where the best case scenario for the clippers would have been losing if we know everything yeah, we know so, you would have been six that would have been perfect yeah so so i mean to me you've and your upside is so limited going against the Suns now. I mean, it, we'll see, right? If PG came back, I think they actually could give him a series. Like the Suns maybe are a little overrated right now. They haven't lost, but they haven't really played anyone with KD either. A lot of teams are scared of KD. I certainly understand why. But the, the Suns, you know, I think they're probably number one, I would say, in my like Western Conference power rankings. Although obviously they have a, a tough bracket. We'll discuss that much more as we get into our playoff predictions. But so I certainly am worried about playing the Suns but I think you're even if you say okay 50% chance we make it in and then let's say we have to 50% chance of winning each playoff game your mileage may marry, vary on those assumptions but if you make all, all of those assumptions 50%, I, I, 50% of winning each play-in game is that what you meant there yeah yeah okay yeah each playing game sorry so you're that would give you like a 12.5% chance of just not making the playoffs entirely and I would say that I would still consider playing Memphis or playing Denver maybe actually not Denver Denver has always killed <laughs> the Clippers <laughs> so maybe I actually would prefer to play phoenix over denver and that you had a decent chance that you probably got a 12.5 percent chance of playing denver as well again this is making it very simple you got a 25 percent chance of playing memphis uh, but you have a better chance of beating those uh, memphis than you do uh, but i think the biggest thing that wasn't counted was the upside of hey we got a 50 percent chance of playing sack and we have a much better chance of getting a, a better matchup or at least an equal matchup probably to phoenix and hey our downside is 12.5 percent now here here's one thing that might change that right ty lewis said i don't know what paul george is doing there have been some nebulous reports that he's like they had a reevaluation. like he okay he's just like no indication that he's playing five and five they could also just completely be lying about that right like the, yeah. <laughs> he could be actually ramping up i mean this is we've seen guys come back from something like this before i mean may, maybe not you, you know but and pg it sucks that he's uh, had these injury issues in the playoffs the last two years or illness in the case of last year and the elbow too so 
maybe you'd say hey like we're gonna get pg back but obviously he's not gonna be ready to play in these playing games Kawhi like can really use the rest like we think Kawhi is still the best player in any series so again i don't think it's obvious like bob Lugaris was saying that he, he thought it was obvious that they should have tanked it i wouldn't go that far i probably would have but maybe they know something about pg's health that i don't and that that would have been enough to push it into hey just go go win the game anyway so kind of interesting though especially for the team that's been kind of the ultimate playoff manipulator <laughs> yeah yeah, there, I, I, there was a clip that circulated where Wob caught Ty Lue, like asking what the score of the other game was, but it was too late. It was too uh, late to manipulate it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think uh, the Clippers, from what I can tell, I think fifty percent is too high for those play-in games. Uh, you Could know, be because it's so close and um, yeah, especially you know, putting that wear and tear on Kawhi if Paul George yeah. isn't back. Like I, I wouldn't feel as good about those. Um, you know, you also have to look at what the incentives are. You mentioned management, right? You look better as the five seed than the six or seven seed although you'd look a lot better if you win a playoff series you can maybe do that from the six but there's also you know you get into a a playoff series uh as the five you're guaranteed a couple home games um now you could yeah. also say hey if you go into the play-in tournament you're going to be uh the home team as the seven and if you lose that you're going to be the home team again and you might get into the playoffs and get a couple more uh home games there's potential there but how much do you value the guarantee of those home games and you know, you, you make a good point about uh, the Nuggets' success against the Clippers, right? You could be walking, I think, because so many people, you and I both, you know, that was a good way to put it. Suns are number one in the Western Conference power rankings. We're not looking at matchups. We're not looking at home court advantage, but just who's the best team playing right now. But that doesn't necessarily make them the toughest team for the Clippers to be. I want to go back now. When we last talked, we didn't know what was going to happen on Friday night. But as we looked at the way this week was shaping up, we're like, okay, there are actually two games that are going to determine this, both of which involve teams that have have an incentive to win one was of course minnesota and new orleans and the other was friday night golden state at sacramento and the sacramento kings they did play some guys it wasn't a total tank job but they did not play De'Aaron fox they did not play demontis bonus they lost to the warriors thereby making it much more likely as in fact occurred that they would be playing golden state in the first round now maybe there really was a legitimate thing for sabonis and fox but those guys both played today in just mm-hmm. kind of warm-up minutes against denver you know 18 minutes or something like that so you, you would think it wasn't too bad what do you think of that decision yeah and that's also uh back when sacramento had a chance to get the two seed uh yeah but i think it, by the they time had, that game tipped off mm, memphis had already won they they okay. destroyed the bucks so, yes, so they didn't right. have a chance to get the two seed in that's right okay yes going into yes yeah. thank you um hmm but they they announced those guys out before that right that right okay thank you for jogging my memory on that um yeah i don't know i don't know that's a <laughs> I mean, you could just, you would probably, based on the available evidence, have to conclude that they wanted the Warriors. I wouldn't go that far. I wonder what you don't want to do is play your guys and then lose to the Warriors, right? It, it could almost be the opposite, that you're terribly afraid of the Warriors and think they're well, going to beat you. But if they had beaten strength. them, if they had beaten them, there basically would have been no way they would have had to face them. They would have forced the Warriors into play in almost certain. Right, but what I'm saying is, if you're deathly afraid of the Warriors, you don't think you can beat them in this game on Friday. Well, I'd rather try to beat them and then not, without Andrew Wiggins and then have to play him with Andrew Wiggins a week Good from point. Now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I guess. So, look, I, I under, if I'm the Kings, I don't want to play the Warriors. I also don't want to play the Lakers. 
Yeah, maybe they feared the Lakers more because it probably would have been the Lakers moving up potentially into that spot because the Lakers had the tiebreaker over the Warriors. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe they're like, hey, we have no interior size. We're more scared of LeBron. Like the, the Warriors, we can just play a shootout against them. And now I think the Warriors defense is going to be much improved in the postseason if Wiggins is back. And now they, they're adding in Gary Payton as well. But yeah, I mean, maybe they like that matchup better than the Lakers. Maybe I, I think they that's not very smart to me. But I agree. Uh, but I also, you know, I like I said, though, I, I think there's a fear of you play our, your top guys and you lose to the Warriors anyway. And then what? You're in even in a worse spot. Yeah, but then you, you can just they're desperate. We're just, a, you know, you, I, I don't I don't worry about that psychological aspect as much. I think. I, but, hmm. you know, so so anyway, I don't know. I, I don't know if I agree with that decision. Let's see if they beat the. I mean, maybe Vivek is like, this will be awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> it Wait, that's that. the, yeah, that's the other thing. They might they might not. I don't know. They might just be excited to play the Warriors because of who they have in Sacramento from ownership to coaching and not really be thinking about which one are we going to have a better chance at, but just be excited about it. They're excited to be in the playoffs yeah. that's the other thing like how much are they trying to manipulate it or are they just excited to be in the playoffs? okay let's uh get to the rest of things here we already know what's happening in the east but can you, can you just go through that east uh top 10 please and, and sure. uh the just the schedule for this week in the eastern conference so we're going to start with the play-in tournament on Tuesday, and that's going to be Heat Hawks, which we'll talk more about a little bit. That's Atlanta at Miami in the 8-9 game, or excuse me, in the 7-8 game. And then in yes. the 9-10 game on Wednesday, we have Chicago at Toronto. Uh, the, the two playoff series that we have set in the East, uh, the 3-6 is Philadelphia-Brooklyn, and the 4-5 is Cleveland-New York. Yeah, those would be some, some interesting series. Maybe not Philly-Brooklyn, we'll see. But then in the West, we already went through it. So let's discuss now the old lottery. Why don't we... Uh, and we've, we've got some news on these teams too, so we can probably go through that as we, as we discuss. Well, let's start with the pre-lottery lottery winners slash maybe giant losers. The Dallas Mavericks. The number Mavericks, one seed in the lottery. The Dallas Mavericks. We're, we're starting at number 10. The Dallas Mavericks secured the 10th seed in the lottery. Gives them an 80% chance of keeping their pick. Uh multiplied by the odds that the nba does something drastic i don't i don't expect anything on that level but the mavericks did open themselves up to a league investigation whatever that means uh with their tanking and then we can go well, from yeah let's uh, let's let's elaborate on that then what what happened and why are they now being investigated so the mavericks had a chance to make the play-in tournament they talked about uh the, a report leaked that they were considering with three games left uh shutting down their top guys and luka Doncic said no we're not doing that and mark cuban said we're still in it and then they just did it they did it they won one game and then they did it and uh the nba understandably is not too happy that a team chose trying to secure its draft pick and the reason the mavericks uh, faced this decision was in part because they're at this cutoff where they keep their pick only if it lands in the top 10 otherwise it goes to the knicks so the the mavericks were looking at the worst case scenario of maybe send in terms of the draft pick of sending new york something like the 11th pick you got to think if you have luka Doncic that you're ideally not going to be picking in this range too often but this year it worked out that they're right on the border of this and so they decided to tank and it worked in one set but to go back to wednesday first chronologically they played and beat the kings and oklahoma city had lost on tuesday at golden state so that still created this scenario where if oklahoma city lost their remaining two games and the Mavs won, what was it, or once the, or no, no, sorry. So the Thunder only had one left. They had to lose their, or 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going back to Wednesday here. But oh, so they decided to to they didn't shut it down. Luca had those comments about the the Kings. So so they beat the Kings. Like, it looks like they're. I mean, you would think at that point their decision was we're going to keep going for it, right? Like they mm-hmm. they clearly you know they could have made their lives a lot easier if they had just started taking them. Then Oklahoma City beats Utah on Thursday, and so then they would have had to win both their remaining games Friday against Chicago. And then, of course, today against the Spurs, while Oklahoma City lost at home to Memphis. Memphis had nothing to play for today. Oklahoma City did actually win that game, which is slightly foolish, but the Bulls won too. To me, Oklahoma City beating Utah was must have been what changed it. And then also, I would say what changed their thinking was Chicago lost two in a row. And Chicago was the team that it looked like they were going to be, quote unquote, competing against to be the 10th seed in the lottery and have a about an 80% chance of keeping their pick. So when Chicago lost two games that they probably you would have thought, given who was playing in those games, like Hawks without Trey Young, then Bucks without Giannis, they lost both those games. And then Chicago was also locked in to the 10th seed. At that point, Dallas was like, well, hey, like they thought they could have their cake and eat it too right on Wednesday. They thought, all right, we can still compete and we'll still be behind Chicago. They're trying to win also. And as it turned out, they did finish two back at Chicago. But of course, part of that was the fact that they lost to Chicago. If they had beaten Chicago, uh, the teams would have been even at the end, even had they lost this final game to the Spurs. So that, to me, the fact that they were playing Chicago, the very team that they were quote-unquote competing with for 10th that's why they decided to do this and then of course they don't Luca plays the first 13 minutes of the game on we love Slovenia night he checks out everyone else that was shut down earlier in the day and then they're up by a ton in the first half but Chicago which had some incentive to tank as well for their own pick uh and particularly getting their own pick into the top four overall they you know didn't play their guys either but you know they were playing real players like Patrick Williams out there and, and Kobe White, Terry Taylor is just busting heads because Jason Kidd decided to go with Justin Holiday at center down the end of the game <laughs> and they still are close enough and so McKinley right one of their two-way guys and who's the other guy Diedrich Lawson airball threes on the final possession Mark Cuban is seen sort of like fake despondent but also smiling <laughs> that they lost at the same time on uh, in his baseline seat Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Kids said, oh, you know, we made an organizational decision to change our focus. I, people are saying, oh, he said the quiet part out loud. I didn't think his comments were that, mm. like, egregious. But it was change your focus from trying to win. Right. He didn't say that, but that's what it was. No. No, and like they still had a enough of a chance that the NBA is going to be pissed off that their stupid 10th seed carrot that, hey, we've criticized teams for going for that. Like the Mavs had a very little chance of even getting the 10th seed. And then, of course, the way they were playing, the chance of even getting into the play-in from there. And then, of course, it, 
the highest they could be was eighth and then getting smacked by Denver. No, it was much, you know, getting a, and they would have maybe had like a 1% chance of winning a round as it was when you consider all those negative probabilities. So yeah, tank, absolutely right. Rational decision. But what do you think, Dan, of the fact that they are being investigated when so many of these other teams have not? On a certain level, it's unfair. The Trailblazers also threw in the towel when they had a chance to make the postseason. Oh, oh they, they, they threw in like towels, bed sheets, all of their clothes, and anything that wasn't tied down, they were throwing it into the <laughs> ring. The, the, the little bench that you sit on on the side. However, I can also see the idea, I guess, to some degree, that when a team, I mean, there have been teams that set out to tank a season. I, I think that's less common than, than most people think. I think the most common type of tanking is when a team goes into the season, tries to win, doesn't win enough, and then pivots into tanking. That's, I think, number one by far, and that's how you address it. But teams have gone into years saying we're throwing this year away. I don't know. Maybe the NBA pushes a new uh, Jerry Colangelo on you here and there, but oftentimes you can get away with it. The difference here, I think, I think kind of, is when a team decides to do a long-term tank, and even, I mean, generously including the Trailblazers, when it's like multiple weeks of like truly shifting directions, the, the Trailblazers did it by saying, we're going to play our young players. We're, we're building toward the future, I guess. Like that's a team decision. The team needs to handle that. Like. Yeah. They're eliminated from playoff contention, basically, at the point that they're doing. But well, but Portland wasn't quite, but it close enough, right? Where close da- enough. Dallas, I think it's more of a sharp decision. We're here going from right on the verge of the postseason to complete tank, where that's an NBA problem. Where this is more of a whether it should be or shouldn't be is a separate question, but it, it draws such focus and attention that it becomes an NBA problem for the league to address in a different way. Yeah, a couple of reactions to that. I mean, I don't think that what they're doing is any different than what any of these other teams are doing, personally. I don't think it's fair. Now, as I always say, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> I say that all the time. And so what makes this tank different from all other tanks, as we <laughs> Jews like to say this time of year? Well, obviously, there's the fact that they are they weren't eliminated and they were so close to the end. And, of course, there's a big PR aspect to this, too. It's Mark Cuban, who has already been fined, five, or I think it was $600,000, for admitting to tanking back in the 2018 season a season in which oh by the way they got the fifth pick and were able to trade it for luke Doncic. uh then there's the fact that luke and Kyrie are on this team they made it to the west finals just a year ago this is a, a team that's been in the news a ton so this is just getting more and then of course there's the fact that it's it's not just ah oh, we're just generally going to improve our lottery odds it's no there's a hard line here it is so fucking obvious we got to get to 10 now again we've seen many a team do that although not so much recently but sort of the warriors back in 2012 they got harrison mm-hmm. barnes the mark madsen game for the timberwolves when they had that top 10 protected pick that was out to the clippers for marco yarich for years and years and years <laughs> So we'll see what this investigation brings up. The investigation is into the motivations. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, how far back in history do you want to go? Do you want to go back to, uh, you know, the Houston Rockets losing 15 in their final 17 in 1984, and then they instituted the lottery? And do you want to go back to, uh, they decided to trade for Kristaps Porzingis, who had a torn ACL, and that's all they had to give up this pick? Do you want to go, go back to, <laughs> they're in this position because uh, Rick Brunson played 23 games for the 0506 Houston Rockets, and Tom Thibodeau is, uh, was uh, one of the assistant coach there. They formed a relationship. Uh, yeah, th- this just in. There's some fucking motivation to tank in this league. <laughs> I, now, look, at I don't know what you would find if, if you dug through 
uh, you know, Timberwolves management, uh, phone records, and interviewed everybody in Portland. But if, if the NBA finds a text message from Mark Cuban to Jason Kidd or, or with Nico Harrison saying, like, we need to lose this game, something like that, would you want the Mavericks punished? Do you think they should be punished at that point, right? Where there's no plausibility, deniable plausibility that, I mean, we know what happened, right? But if they put it into writing it, in a way that has never been discovered before, or occasionally a team admits it, like you said, with Cuban, and there have been a few other former executives who admit their team tanked in the past. If the league finds something like that in the investigation, do you think the Mavericks should be punished? Do you think that would justify this? Oh, they surely would be. But no, I actually sure. don't think so. Like they're, okay. they're responding to the rational incentives in front of them. And, and it's like okay they should just if they said if they said something different like the text message said ah you know we should really play the young guys tonight you know we're not gonna play anything in writing that makes it better like everyone knows what they're doing it's just no you need to ch- change the incentives like this is rational as much as people might think oh i'm shitting on the mavs or shitting on the clippers a couple of years ago for the Toro game no i would do the exact same thing in their position i won't think it would be fair to be punished for it like the reason they're doing this is because they want to win a championship they're not doing it because you know this is like major league and they want to move the team somewhere else by like intentionally losing games like it's still part of like trying to win but unfortunately you've set up a circumstance in which losing will help you win more later and maybe I still think that, that yeah i mean look yeah. at the way it helps is is obvious with the draft pick but there's all luka Doncic doesn't sound happy about this and you wonder if there's a degree i think there's something to that like the, the culture you set um Players want to compete, right? They're highly competitive people, and I think it breeds some distrust. And maybe you get a a talented enough player with you get you keep the top ten pick first of all, right? There's about a twenty percent chance you lose it in the lottery. Uh, but let's say you keep it and you either use it on somebody who who helps you, or you can trade it for somebody who helps you. That might outweigh the cultural rot created by this. But I do think there is a real downside in terms of the competitive culture you're trying to create. Yeah, boy, they really they had such a great culture going they they completely well, because we, we don't need to reprise this do argument. things like this <laughs> we, we we had this argument earlier in the week uh, <laughs> it, it looks like my my thinking won out in dallas so shall we say and, and, that, hey, and that's your I, victory lap <laughs> that the mavericks agreed with you <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? Like, if, if they uh, get up into the top four or they mm-hmm. trade their pick for something awesome, I think I'll take that over, you know, the cultural impact of this. Um, so, all right. So, so that's at 10. I, I want to actually start from the kinda, top. Yeah. Well, actually, here, let's start. Let's start at the beginning of the lottery here because there still were some things in this, right? Like, Toronto, they lost a couple of games well, in so, a row. Toronto actually yeah, let's just be careful did win this. over Milwaukee today. They could have tied Oklahoma City and Chicago. Yeah. Well, they not done that. Just, just keep in mind, some of these teams might not be in the lottery, right? We only know the, the lottery seeds for the top 10 seeds. If any of these sure. teams advance to the playoffs, they are no longer in the lottery. So we're, what we're talking about is where they would be yeah. in the lottery if they lose in the play-in. Sure, sure. That, that's fair. I mean, New Orleans even uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, we're talking, I'm, what I'm highlighting here are teams that had absolutely nothing to play for, mm-hmm. but still won games, could have bettered their draft pick. OKC won today. Today, they could have been alone in the 11th seed in the lottery. Instead, they're splitting that with Chicago, who also won today, by the way. 
Uh, and, and Chicago could have given themselves a little bit better chance of keeping that top four protected pick from the Vooch deal. Uh, then Dallas, uh, they did lose to San Antonio today. As it turned out, that didn't end up mattering. Uh, although had Utah won, they would have been tied with Utah. So there's still plenty of incentive to lose there. Utah did lose to the Lakers. So they're alone now in the ninth seed. And then this morass in the five through eight range was uh, an object of fascination the last week. Yeah, so it ends up the Trailblazers are going to be the number five seed in the lottery on their own. The Orlando Magic will be the number six seed in the lottery. And then splitting the seven, eight odds will be the Wizards and Pacers with a random drawing to determine uh, who gets the extra chance because it's a odd number of combinations between them. And then probably more importantly, uh, who will be getting the higher pick if neither moves into the top four? So let's start with Portland. They could have been tied with Orlando. And had Washington and Indiana taken care of business losing, which they did not, uh, they could have all been tied at 34 wins. And we talked about this, how Portland could have fallen down. That that San Antonio game, I followed up on it a little bit more after we talked on Friday, and it was incredible. They go on a 9-0 run to take a 119-110 lead. Chauncey Billups, uh, Mike Richmond had a great podcast on this on Lockdown Blazers, goes to John Butler Jr. at point guard. John Butler Jr. <laughs> is seven feet tall, about 195, uh, out of Florida State, kind of a developmental prospects not a point guard prospect i don't think anyone really was uh he's a very thin focusing in on his (laughs) (laughs) not magic johnson so so and and then of course they they actually almost beat the clippers until uh, the clippers bench went on a big run late in the third and then of course uh it was not close on the second night of a back-to-back in golden state so yeah portland securing that five seed in the lottery orlando looked like they looked like they're a team that was actually going to kind of run through the tape to some degree and they had a big loss today against miami and they actually played they did not play paulo they did play franz wagner but all their guys only played 15 minutes basically and obviously miami didn't play guys many minutes either but uh, miami ended up winning that game miami didn't really have anything to lose for oh no actually they did miami uh is now in a three-way tie with the clippers pick going to houston and golden state so miami actually had they lost that game could have gotten up a little bit higher that that would have been nice for them that that was actually a double tank game with the playoff teams usually don't think that way as much uh then washington was it's so cute the way they were trying to tank like oh we'll just hold out our three best players oh no that's actually not going to get it done against some of these teams (laughs) (laughs) who was it that they beat in their second to last game i can't remember i mean again it's like this probably seems tedious to go through this but i was actually i'd forgotten so many of these details i i re-listened to our pod on this day last year and they actually like a lot of these games matters like like the spurs uh, managed to lose to dallas and avoid a tie and i think washington won and so that spurs got jeremy sohan and uh washington got johnny davis <laughs> like that this shit matters this shit matters for sure uh, washington um, beat miami in its penultimate game that's right yeah yeah so um yeah and indiana actually won today uh, uh in new york i think and yep, with new york actually playing everyone other than julius randall brunson and mitchell robinson which was interesting um obviously indiana had shut down tyrese halbert and miles turner ages ago but that, that kind of a damaging loss there now they're instead of being tied with orlando they're in the seven eight potentially so drop a slot there they, they won a ridiculous three of their last 10 games just pathetic tanking <laughs> by them 
And then, of course, the Charlotte Hornets have been alone as the four seed in the lottery for quite some time. And then we get to the 22 and 60 Houston Rockets. They win at Washington today, playing most of their guys throughout. And so that means they're tied now with San Antonio 22 and 60 in the 2 3. So there'll be a, uh, a coin flip there to determine which of those are high. It probably won't come into play, though, because one of those teams almost certainly will be in the top four. So they won't kind of be competing with each other. But, um, but we do have some news out of Houston. Yeah, Steven Silas is no longer going to be the Rockets coach. Uh, he has a team option on his contract that's not being renewed for all intents and purposes. I am uh, considering that him being fired. Yeah, I mean, generally even guys after that second year would get an extension at that point he obviously did not and there's reporting that his team option would not be renewed i mean i do think there's a little bit of a difference when you're firing the guy with guaranteed money as opposed to just letting him go when you don't owe him anything it's like at least it's like we want to get rid of this guy so badly that we're gonna still have to pay him as opposed to just ah we'll let his contract expire go another direction but yeah clearly his time there had come to an end kelly eco shams and sam amick had a long piece about silas and some of his struggles uh and how they want to get better there are a bunch of candidates floating around we usually don't talk about those until there's actually a hiring but notable that nick nurse is one of the names being floated potentially uh, and nurse for his part uh he has one season remaining on his contract it's worth eight million dollars a year it was noted in that article but uh so i i mean it seems like nick nurse is for all intents and purposes right now a free agent unless they extend him um we'll see obviously what happens in the play-in slash playoffs for toronto um yeah but, I, like I mean to- i, I yeah. I was gonna say I like to put I, all coaching changes in for, to uh, a bucket of either fired or resign. Uh, it's a little less clear in Detroit. Dwayne Casey, uh, there was a report from Jake Fisher that it'd be up to Casey whether he wants to continue as coach. Uh, although even Fisher, within his own report, kind of attribute that to one source. I think the implication was like, hey, somebody is saying this, and I think it's worth passing along. But I'm not quite telling you I believe it. Um, Casey said after the Pistons last game, I'm moving into the front office, so Detroit will also be looking for a new coach uh, whether i kind of like to i kind of believe i don't know this i i don't know for sure but i i guess my guess would be if the pistons made it clear to Dwayne casey they wanted him to stay as head coach he'd still be their head coach uh so to what degree he was nudged out pushed out forced out i don't know uh but detroit needs a new coach one way or another yeah he's 66 and obviously the losing was grading they're trying to take a step forward next season and casey i don't think he's a bad coach by any means i mean this is kind of for most coaches from an age standpoint close to the end of the line we haven't seen many coaches except guys who are really legendary go on much past this point you know mike d'antoni hubie brown uh obviously greg popovich but yeah not many and so i think there's casey didn't do much to make an argument to keep his job much more so i would say than in houston i thought there's just really nothing he could have done with some of these rosters that he was given and you know i think this is it said he was under contract for 23 24 does that mean they had a team option or that he actually was that was fully guaranteed not entirely clear but uh, no, no statement yeah. on this situation but a lot of times when a coach moves to the front office it's a it's a no-show job and it's just to kind of fulfill that last year of the contract yeah i don't know that this will even be a no-show job like no, i don't think gentry, this gentry apparently is yeah. you know in kind of that role in sacramento as well 
So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm totally on board with this. Like, Casey, we had him in our bottom five, the coach rankings, same as with Silas. So It's tough when you're we'll the see. coach through losing to still keep, the you know, your voice strong. Like, even if you're a good coach, unless you're a great coach, it's tough to be that next coach also. Yeah, and you don't have the argument that guys were developing incredibly well on his watch. Like, mm-hmm. a, I mean, who's their best story of someone who's exceeded expectations? Sadiq Bay, even it was Sadiq stagnated. Bay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan has has looked a little yeah. bit beyond his years. You want to say he improved throughout the year and gives Casey some of that credit, I guess. I don't know. Not a great answer, though, which is your point. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So some interesting roster moves happened. The Memphis was uh, certainly a surprise. Yeah, the uh, Grizzlies are waving uh, Kennedy Chandler and elevating Kenny Lofton Jr., not the son of that Kenny Lofton, for the playoffs. Uh, Steve Adams is going to miss the playoffs also. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously, I think we kind of figured that at this point mm-hmm. that with that PCL strain. He tried to get a PRP injection. That didn't work. And really, that's a killer for Memphis. Obviously, they also have Brandon Clark out. So it's Xavier Tillman, Jaron Jackson, David Roddy playing some four. Like they, I guess they felt like they needed another body. Lofton is not really a playoff guy to me, but it depends what their matchup is. Like against the Lakers, which seems their most likely matchup at this point, like that actually could be, maybe he could go in and just knock some heads, get some rebounds, but they, they had no size at all. But for Kennedy Chandler, for him to just get waved like this, I mean, what a what a shocking outcome. Yeah, um, I wonder if somebody will, will even claim him. I, I kind of liked him uh, coming into the draft. A small guard, a little pesky. Um, he and if I, uh, yeah, he's twenty years old. Um, yeah, I, you know, if I'm a rebuilding I mean, team, he had two I'd years of guaranteed money. I think maybe their hope is that he'll he would get claimed. Although, would we know that already? Yeah, that's a good I question. I'm not sure what the waiver spot either. Yeah, I'm not sure what the waiver yeah. process is at this point in the year. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the, maybe they even did him a solid by waiting this long so he wouldn't get claimed and he could double dip. Mm, could be. Yeah, I mean, I liked I thought he could be the heir apparent as their backup point guard at Tyus Jones after Jones finishes like this two-year $15 million deal he signed last summer. I think that's about it news-wise. Anything else we got to talk about? I think those were the big things. Uh, well, the Laker, Lakers also made a, a, roster, a couple of roster moves. Uh, big, bigger names, maybe less significant, but uh, bring in Tristan Thompson. Thompson and Shaq Harrison uh, waving Devon Reed. Yeah, Reed came over, never really played for them. He came over on the Thomas Bryant deal. And Tristan Thompson is just kind of another body. He's getting the, the Dante Jones Memorial last day of the season contract to play with LeBron. And he's been doing some like commentating for ESPN. I don't think there's any indication they're going to play him. But just to have him around is uh, it's a, another influence. 
a guy that LeBron liked. He's probably still with Clutch, I would imagine, too. So another little another little favor. Why not? And also because the Lakers were in the tax, that's why they left the 15th roster spot open this entire time. So it really cost them very little, obviously. And, and uh, then well, what also- it cost them is any chemistry or developmental time with practice time with those guys, if in case they actually need to be used in the postseason. But hey, well, why pay for that? You know, you're you're just a small market team like the Lakers. <laughs> Well, the hard cap will be preventing that from happening. Okay, let's uh, let's talk a little Miami and Atlanta. I don't know if I want to just completely replay my preview of their series <laughs> from last year, but I, I do think you have to kind of start there. And Trey Young's struggles carried over to the regular season. I know you went back and looked at least a little bit at these matchups from the regular season. Anything that really stuck out to you? Um, yeah, unless I see something differently, I'm expecting more of the same from that first round series where I thought the Heat just did an excellent job of suffocating Trey Young. He he was better at times in this regular season, but as I look back, a lot of those times is uh, he, he was being guarded by um, uh, Kyle Vincent. Uh, I think Jimmy Butler is going to have more of that matchup in this, you know, key postseason. Ky- Kyle Vincent is being guarded by both Gabe, Gabe oh, Vincent and, <laughs> and Kyle Harris at the same time. <laughs> I know no wonder he's struggling so That much. did not sound right in my mouth. Gabe Vincent, uh, may, maybe even some yeah. of the reasons some of these games were uh closer kyle lowry i think missed at least a couple of them um yeah i i just think uh in the moments i saw when i looked back on this when when the heat uh had their their top defensive personnel out there it wasn't working as well i did not the hope is right you have Dejounte murray as the second play secondary playmaker that the hawks lacked last playoff series and so if if uh trey young is getting doubled he can kick it to uh dejounte murray who can make a play in a four on three that's the hope i don't know if the hawks have developed that as well as you would have liked to see during this regular season um i didn't see it in these games i looked at Uh, i think you know it's going to maybe look a little better for atlanta relative to last year but that is also an incredibly low bar yeah i think so and this is i mean atlanta obviously would face the winner of toronto and chicago which we'll probably talk about it at a later point um but yeah i mean obviously it starts with bam switching now they haven't done as much switching with bam this year they don't have as much size behind him necessarily uh the hawks though i think their biggest issue well we'll continue with the hawks offensive end first here sorry i'm a little rusty on, on these previews yeah i think there's Okay, when you put two on the ball hard on Trey, what happens? Do you find DeJounte Murray as an outlet and he makes the play? What is that? Is that going to get you a mid-ranger? Like, okay, I mean, this <laughs> Miami offense isn't amazing, right? I mean, I think that's Miami's offensive decline might be the Hawks can stay with them a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I also think there'll be a little bit less time for Trey Young to get discouraged over the course of a series. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe he'll just he'll come in with a, a little bit better of an attitude. They do have a new coach now in Quinn Snyder. I do think that Quinn Snyder he does emphasize spacing principles more they have been actually much better on offense since Snyder got there they've been Mm -hmm. bad on defense so I do think that Quinn Snyder will be a little bit more equipped than Nate McMillan who really is one of the worst playoff coaches I've seen in terms of like versatility and adjustments I would say dealing with and particularly going up against Miami who was it had no solutions for their switching defense either with Indiana or with the Hawks 
So I, I think one of the key things they're going to try to do is go after Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is going to be playing a larger role than in the past. Uh, Duncan Robinson probably isn't really going to play much. Struess isn't as involved this year, probably either. He won't start. So I do think there's, in that starting lineup, there are a few other places to go. What do you see as like the primary matchups being when Atlanta has the ball? Who's guarding who when you, Miami's got their starters out there? You know, I, I think to whenever it's going to count, I think Jimmy Butler is going to be on Trey Young. Um, I think that maybe would shock they, me. Actually, I think I, I think they're going to try and start with something different. But I think if you're coming down the stretch of a close game, I think Jimmy Butler is guarding Trey Young. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think Jimmy is a little slower uh, at this point. He was actually never amazing guarding small guards, but I think like he really is more like their four defensively because he's such a good help defender i think they want to keep him more in help position also save his energy do, for offense I, I see what you're saying about the do, beginning of the game but I'll, do i yeah. not remember this right from last year that a, a lot of times jimmy butler would t- take a stretch on uh trey young and and bottle him up and that was part of the reason trey young got discouraged like this is my memory of it that that butler didn't necessarily spend the most time on him but he spent the most effective time on him and it was enough i recall it being gabe vincent uh, that uh, trey was tweeting compliments about trey vincent or, or trey vincent jesus christ man <laughs> you, you screwed me up here yeah Gabe vincent after, i'll take the blame on that after the series and 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 bam those are the two guys bam definitely did a lot yeah and, flying, and that was so. the other thing i i saw was was bam not as involved or on the court as much when when trey young was having his somewhat success against miami this regular season yeah well here's the other thing too and miami's defensive decline is in part coincided with the addition of kevin love i predict that kevin love won't be starting by the end of the series but it sounds like they're gonna start him and so now you've got not a series kevin love and tyler hero as guys trey young can go at or even DeJounte Murray, where they're going to hedge or they're going to put two on the ball, and then they can play out of that a little bit. Now, they don't have as much shooting as they had last year, but like that's interesting. I, th- I think that's like you could see Trey Young get more confidence early in games going at both. The, you have those two guys in the starting lineup. Um, well, I definitely, yeah. Kevin, but, Ke- Kevin Love came off the bench in Miami's last three games. I, I guess I, I'm thinking he's not going to be starting this game. Yeah, maybe not. I think part of that was due to their issues at backup center but yeah, yeah, that, yeah that'll be fascinating of whether he starts or not because um, uh, even you, if you he said is by the, play backup center you said by the end of the series right it's not a series it's one game and so the fact that oh, Kevin yeah. Love has been coming off the bench I think makes it easier for you to not have to you know you can just not start him right you can just continue that I think well I am really rusty here yeah so I mean the fact that it is one game that's that's really interesting right if they do start Kevin Love or hey even if they play him at all like I think yeah. he's gonna get rocked I do too defensively yep yeah that's so, definitely a vulnerability for Miami. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, Robinson, obviously, is someone else. Who, I mean, I think you probably end up with, you know, Cal Lowry will probably still be coming off the bench. Like, he's been, mm-hmm. been doing that. Vincent's actually been playing well recently. Um, but, yeah, the guard rotation, how much is it going to be Struess? How much is it going to be Oladipo? I think Eric Spolstra generally defaults first to being able to defend. But if Miami can't hit shots, then maybe they do have to go with more of these offensive groups and, that's where the Hawks could also get their offense going. And there is an argument that if this is going to be kind of an offensive game, that the Hawks will have the advantage if it's a shootout, that they have more explosive ability. Like Trey Young is probably the best offensive player 
in this series. Unless it's Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I do think the number one thing for the Hawks, and way easier said than done, uh, and this is when they had their whatever success they had in the regular season against Miami, they've got to run. They've got to find opportunities to push the pace. It's oh, going yeah. to be so hard for them to score in the half court. Um, they had one of the, they won one of the four games, and really the best thing they did in that game was, especially in the first half, uh, they found opportunities to push the pace. Don't know if they can do that again. For the most part, they haven't done it. Um, but I, I've got very, I've got a lot of confidence in Miami's half-court defense in this matchup. And I also, to a lesser degree, but somewhat still have confidence in Miami's ability to control the tempo more than Atlanta can. Yeah, and, and you do think, too, again, if they're if they're going to have some limited defensive players out there, Murray and Young, can they contain both of those guys? It could, does Murray yeah. just get hot on those mid-rangers? Like, that can happen certainly in a one-game situation. I think the Hawks maybe can... I know that Miami's been a better defensive rebounding team this year, but I do think the Hawks could tell mm-hmm. there if they're really trying with john collins and capella out there at the same time uh a any possibility of bam getting in foul trouble is a disaster for miami (laughs) they've been awful with him off the floor this year even more so than butler let's talk a little bit about what happens when miami has the ball yeah it's (laughs) probably gonna be a lot of fouling uh the the heat are pretty good at drawing fouls and i you know i i think uh atlanta's defensive personnel it's uh there's enough weak spots where uh yeah i i expect the heat to draw a decent amount of fouls yeah it's gonna be interesting like trey's been playing better defensively you think he'll be putting into a lot of actions they'll try to hide him probably on the likes of caleb martin when he's out there struce if he's out there maybe gabe vincent's and trey has done better i think when being put in some of those pick and rolls clearly jimmy butler is going to do that as much as possible or they'll i think actually hero working off the ball off of screens by trey's man is also something that they could really try to do then there is obviously more defensive talent in the starting lineup with murray otherwise and remember also that john collins basically didn't play in that series last year right he had multiple injury issues so i think he also is someone who maybe is a little bit shooter better shooter than some of the guys that they're playing at times last year at the four and has more athleticism there's the offensive glass if they are going to be aggressive and pick and roll coverage on the other end and collins just gives them a little bit more size a little more athleticism to where jimmy butler just can't go completely crazy against them like he did last year they got sadiq bay too another guy who's not amazing but you know can at least kind of hold up a little bit against butler so it's not i don't think this will be quite as easy a matchup for jimmy butler as it was last year yeah i think the i think you made the best point i don't know if i'd consider this enough it's it's one game and so i the thing that's the thing well no you actually made that point i was talking about it like it was a series so well the the crazy thing is you made that point before you called it a series so you you did say it and you know the heat are a more physical team i think the hawks last year looked worn down by the end of it but that's not going to be the same way maybe i'm not giving the hawks enough uh, uh, of a chance i you know i always thought they had a chance uh, but it's just one game it's probably easier to hold up against miami's physicality yeah i think that's a good point i I think people as i go through this more obviously miami's gonna be favored Mm -hmm. i do think that maybe the that the hawks have a decent chance like miami is a team i mean you look at it too miami played basically the most clutch games in league history this year Mm -hmm. and it's really tough for them to blow a team out and so i i do like him maybe a little bit better in the clutch uh, with butler is probably the best clutch weapon and his ability to go after some of their smaller 
players in pick and roll uh but atlanta certainly has the three-point shooting advantage i would say mm-hmm. i wouldn't say certain but they've well but if the heat want to compete yeah. on that then you've got to put in lesser defenders so yeah and i guess that's off. right like the hawks are pretty healthy here right like they've got a solid eight-man rotation and some of those guys have compromises but there's also not these player usage decisions where like the guys that might have issues there it's probably basically just trey and maybe bogdanovich like those guys are going to play regardless whereas spolster he's got a little more to decide on with the kevin love and what what to do at backup center like the heat have some holes here whereas the hawks have like a pretty solid eight-man group and maybe nine if they we'll see how whether quinn is going to play jalen johnson or not like that's probably his only rotation decision then maybe whether bay or john collins will close you know, i think I'm, just whoever's playing better there are you counting kind of AJ griffin as in yeah. the rotation or no, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the other that one, surprise one me. to me. Yeah, same. Yeah, so... Yeah, I actually, I mean, I think Miami's going to win. You'd be foolish not to take them at home with the the best player. But I absolutely think that the Hawks could win this game. Like, I think if you're dismissing them, that would be very foolish. Like, Miami's just not that good. And I think there's always the hope that Miami could, you know, get into a series and play above because they just muck it up and they've got, bam, they've got Jimmy. But again, I'm just like, these guys aren't good enough where I'm like, oh yeah, they're so fucking reliable. Like, they're just not. No, I mean, if if the Heat win and it's, heat celtics like to me that's like oh the celtics do not want to play the heat they're they're gonna the celtics are gonna win but it's just gonna be miserable all right well that will do it for today we got to get to all the other play-in stuff as well still hoping to get to some of those mailbag questions i apologize that we've had so much to talk about here that we haven't been able to get to those we appreciate you guys sending those in and certainly we'll get a chance to talk about them and yeah, we got to look forward to all the rest of these games as well. We, we didn't do the Lakers-Minnesota one yet because we don't know if Rudy <laughs> Gobert is going to play, but we'll, we'll probably get to that tomorrow. And, of course, we got the 9-10 games and much more to come. John and I will do a playoff preview later in the week as well. And Dan and I will do that also. We'll be previewing these playoff series that we already know as we become aware of what they are. So lots coming here on Dunkdown Prime. Thanks so much for being a subscriber. We'll talk to you all next time. We hope you enjoyed that free episode. If you would like more Dunked On content, you can subscribe to Dunked On Prime at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.